Over the past year and a half, I've had the amazing opportunity to be a part of this student ministry as its student, as its student pastor. You can be seated. And guys, parents, families of these young people, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you entrusting your children and your young people to come back there into that room with us. It's a privilege that we don't take for granted. It's a calling that we understand comes at a price. Having said that, there's some people, before I get started, that I think deserve a little bit of recognition. Like Brother Malcolm over here and Brother Colton, who have for so long carried the burden of our music ministry and who have put together songs and worked with our students and who have helped them learn their parts and sing. Guys, thank you for making it to where we can usher in God's presence into our sanctuary every Wednesday night. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Brother Toby. Toby's in here on Sundays playing the piano, putting songs together. Toby takes time out of his week to come back there and to help us, to play the piano for us, to help us with our tracks. So Toby, if you could stand up for us. I know you don't want to be seen, but he deserves a hand. He's recently engaged, so ladies, he's off the market. I would like to give honor and thanks to Crystal. She's sitting right up here. Crystal, stand up for me, please. I'm going to make you do it. Crystal runs our cafe for us every Wednesday night. She gets here before anybody else. She fixes drinks. She fixes food. She's got an amazing team with Tara and with Ashley. And you, you've got a whole group of people that come in on Wednesday nights and help you out. Crystal, thank you for creating an atmosphere that these young people want to come to, that they want to come fellowship in. Thank you for doing that. Carter, Chelsea, thank you guys for keeping me in line. Where's Chelsea at? If, if it wasn't for Chelsea, we would never have Planning Center because I'm too forgetful to do it. So Chelsea, she's up there in the sound booth, out of the scenes as she always was. But Chelsea, thank you very much. Carter, thank you for getting there and helping put scriptures on the screen and download videos. And Jeff runs our sound. Guys, this is not a one-man show. This is not a one-person show. This is a team effort. And this is the greatest team I have ever been a part of. And there's one other person that i got to give some honor to, and that is my very beautiful, very pregnant wife, wherever she is. She's in here somewhere. There she is, right there. Molly, thank you for standing by me, for being my sounding board, for praying with me, and for going with me on this journey. It means more than you will ever know. Thank you. <laughs> Almost got me to cry there, guys. Almost got, got close. Now, to give you guys an update on what we do in Elevate, we have a schedule that we meet a quarter in advance and schedule out. We have some fun nights. And if your kids are missing out on fun nights, you may sit there and think, oh, they're just playing games. No, we're not playing games. We're fellowshipping. We're learning who we are. I, last week, there were two games going on inside that cafe before service started. And in those two games, there were 34 kids in two games. They were getting to know each other. We had four new students last week. They got brought into those games, got to know people that they've never met before. And before they walked out of the room, they said, hey, man, that was a welcoming experience. I want to come back. So if your children are missing out on Wednesdays where we hang out, they really are missing out. We also have small group Wednesdays. And we're going to get to that in just a second. We have our, our regular church services, and we do those about twice a month. But on our small group Wednesdays, guys, I have seen these young people grow so much during that time. 
Because they circle up, they get together, they begin to share their life experiences. They share their testimonies. They share scripture. And last week, when we were circled up, one of our students who is generally very quiet and very reserved spoke up and began to give her testimony. And it began to shift the dynamic of where we were and began to move us into a, a time of praise and a time of where we were giving God glory. So what I want to do right now is Gretchen Littleton, if you could come up here, please. I asked Gretchen to come tonight and to speak just for a moment, just to share her heart. Because last week she shared her heart, and it just hit me. This young lady has a story to tell. This young lady has a calling on her life. So I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Okay. So when he asked me to do this, of an impact I have on people when I don't think I do. <laughs> because so many times I have been told that I'm not good enough, that I, I don't step up to what people want me to step up to. I don't play sports. I don't really join many clubs. But people have told me how much of an impact I have on them. And Wednesday night, when we got in that small group, people started just Something came out of me that I really haven't ever had happen before. I just felt like God was tugging on me to just start talking. And when I started talking, it just was him flowing through me. Like, I forgot what I said. I really did. And to tell you all a little bit about me, I, I went through a season where I didn't have many friends. And the ones I had left. It's like they just, they didn't want me in their life anymore, so they left. And when I started coming here, I was still healing from losing so many people. But the youth really just, it started sticking things in me like that I do belong here. And when I stepped foot in that youth group the first time, so many of you just were so nice to me that I forgot how that felt. Because for so long, people shut me out because they didn't think I was good enough to what they wanted me to be. And I went through a time also at school where I sat alone. I didn't, I still sit alone. It's just, it's fine now. Because I know what God's doing through those times when I'm sitting there at lunch. He's, he's talking to me to go witness to people. And I don't talk to strangers, so when he tells me to do that, I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll go do that, and I do it, and afterwards, he just congratulates me and tells me how proud he is of me, but through those times of being alone and not really knowing where I belonged, he really just, he grew me to the point where I get to stand up here and tell you guys what he's done for me, because what he's done for me, he can do for you. He did it for a girl who didn't have anybody. I didn't have anybody I could, like friend-wise, I have a family, but I didn't have any friend-wise people who I could just go to and they could just encourage me because they left. But when I started coming here, I just want to thank you guys for being the best group I've ever had in my life.
The friendships that these young people make in this time is not something that is just temporary. They're part of a family when they step through those doors back there. Gretchen, when she came here, was broken, and she was hurting, and I watched as she has transformed into this young lady who is bubbly and happy and who has a family. A few weeks ago, we discussed finding you a battle buddy, finding someone who can hold you accountable and who can go with you through the trials of life. And i got to tell you something, church. These young people, they've got each other's backs through good, through bad, through whatever comes their way. And i got to tell you guys, i got to give you all a hand for being as loving as you are. You guys are awesome. So tonight, we're going to celebrate as we prepare to send our students back into school. Now, I look around at these students. I know them. I see them on Wednesday nights. I see them on Sundays. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. They're weird. <laughs> They're a weird group of kids. And I say that with confidence. <laughs> I've never met a group of kids that are quite like them. They're different. They're different from others. They're diverse. They're funny. They're goofy. More than you guys would ever imagine. It's better than watching any sitcom on TV, just listening to these kids talk. But the thing that sets them apart from other groups is that they're family. They're a part of, they're a part of God's family. And I'm proud to have a group of students in the year 2018 that is, is as diverse and as different as they are. They truly are weird. They're peculiar. Now, I don't say that because they're millennials and because, you know, they're up and coming and nobody understands them. But I say that because they don't mirror what this world wants them to mirror. In 2018, this world wants you to be set in a certain mold. They don't want black to worship next to white. They don't want the wealthy to be in the same room as the poor. And I'm here to tell you that this youth group doesn't see color. The only color that matters to them is red, and that's the blood of Jesus that was spilled for all sinners. Not this group. They're not like everybody else. They've thrown away the doctrine of love that the world has told them is correct, and they've adopted the, the love that God has given them. They truly are a group of people that 1 Peter 2.9 describes when it speaks of a chosen generation and a peculiar people. So as they enter their schools this year, we will worry as parents, as a church family, and as leaders, have we done enough for them? Because I'm here to tell you folks, I could, I could talk for hours about all the things they face in their high schools. All the trouble, all the sin, all the brokenness. They, they face so much sin and so much negative influence from social media, the media in general, politics, music, movies, video games. And we wonder why they're depressed why they're broken, and why they're hurting all the time. And we sit back and wonder, what are the things we can do to help them combat this? Now, our students are going to hear things that tell them they're not enough. They're not smart enough. They won't be chosen. They won't be popular if they don't look or act a certain way or if their skin's a different color than it's supposed to be or if their economic status isn't what's popular right now. They're going to be told that they're not good enough. Their core beliefs are going to be tested on a daily basis, and they're going to be told by leaders and by people at their school that sin is not only normal, but it's condoned. They're going to be told that sexual desires, drinking, and homosexuality are just another thing. But I've got to tell you people, as a leader, 
for these young people and as a church, we're not going to stand by while they say these things to our kids because what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong. And those things need to be taught to our kids is that they are wrong. Instead of meetings to teach our children about abstinence, our schools have taken on an approach of let's just make sure they're safe when they do what they're doing. I choose to not do that. I choose to try to speak something into them that will make them safe for eternity. Young people, of all the things you hear this year, I hope what I'm about to tell you will stick with you. It's a phrase that is painted so clearly right here behind me. It's a phrase that can change and shift the dynamic of who you are. It's a phrase that will empower you and strengthen you when you don't feel worthy or wanted. It's a phrase that will remind you of who you really are, who God called you to be. It's a phrase that will on a daily basis remind you of your Father's love for you, His infinite and perfect grace and mercy. It's a phrase that if you can learn to repeat it on your darkest day when this world chews you up and spits you out, it's going to give you hope. It's a phrase that has been broken down into two separate parts but has one true meaning. It's three simple words. It's simply this. I am chosen. I am chosen. God, I thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. I thank you, Father, for letting us be in your presence, God, and in this church, Father. I pray that the next 20 minutes, God, will minister to someone. Let their hearts be pricked, Father. Let them walk out of this place renewed and refreshed in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, before I go into the scripture for tonight, I would like to break this down. I told you guys that this, this phrase is two separate parts, but one meeting. So we're going to start with the first part, I am. I am does not refer to you and me. I am refers to our God because he is that I am. So if we can begin to understand the first portion of this, that I am is over everything and in everything, then we can move on to the second part and we can say chosen. I am chosen. God chose me. God chose you. God chose us for this time before there was a time. Young people, I'm here to tell you tonight <laughs> that if you can understand this simple phrase, I am chosen, you will have a power that lives in you that is greater than anything this world can throw at you. Now, you see, young people, you just didn't arrive in this world by a chance meeting. You're not here because your mom carried you for nine months and because your mom and dad were together. You're here because you were chosen to be in this world. When you look back in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, every time he wanted something to appear, he spoke. He said, let there be light, and light showed up. He said, let there be water, and water showed up. Just like before there was a time, he knew you, and he created you and said, young people. He said, Denisia, in 2018, I need you here. So I'm going to form you in my hand and breathe my life into you because you are chosen for this time. Brother Greg, you were chosen to be here for this time, to minister to people who are lost and broken. God chose you and placed you here. Young people, so many times, and adults, how many of you, can you raise your hand if you've ever been depressed, ever felt broken, ever felt left out? Pretty sure everybody in here can relate to that. There's so many children, adolescents, and adults that struggle with self-esteem and suicidal thoughts because they feel like no one ever picked them. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God chose you. God picked you. I need everyone in the house to say this with me. I am chosen. Say it like you mean it. I am chosen. How do I know that you're chosen? Because if you're like me, 
Hold on just a second. We're going to go through this. If you were like me, you were held captive by your sin until the Holy Ghost freed you from your oppression and you were saved by the Son and given eternal life through the name that is above every other name. Let me tell you something, people. You are chosen to be here for this time. Now, if you can come to understand that you were chosen, this world's got something coming for it. Now, as we move into our scripture tonight, I'm going to tell you this. This message is for anyone who's ever felt overlooked, undervalued, dismissed, or left out. And that's probably every one of us if we're honest with ourselves. I know that when I was a young man, when I was a little kid, I was the smallest kid in my family. Still am to this day. My dad's sitting right there. He's the smallest in stature of his brothers. And he is still way bigger than I am. But let me tell you something. The whole time I was growing up, I was tiny. Like, I was tiny. When I went to the first grade, I was wearing a 3T. That's, that's not a joke. When I graduated high school, I was this tall and 105 pounds, soaking wet. I've always been little. And I've been told a lot of times, you can't do things because you're little. You can't do things because you're too small. But I'm, I'm blessed to know that I had a dad and a grandpa and a church family that told me over and over again, don't matter how big you are in stature, son. What matters is how big your heart is. So tonight, I'm going to speak to you about a little shepherd boy that his old family undervalued, overlooked, disregarded, teased, mocked, and disowned. Because if that don't describe me when I was a kid, I don't know what does. Because I was, a, like I said, I was a little bitty. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel 16 with me. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Here's some people laughing. I, I was tiny. <laughs> the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare before you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? Because Samuel was a prophet. And when he spoke, people trembled. And he said, Peaceably I come to sacrifice to the Lord. So consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited him to the sacrifice. Now, Samuel comes all the way to Bethlehem because God charged him with anointing a king. And when he got there, he met up with Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. Seven of them were big, burly men. Verse 6, when they came, he looked unto Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. When Samuel saw Eliab, he saw a big man who looked the part, who looked like a king should, who had all the kingly qualities you would think, some guy that's going to lead your people into battle, some guy that's going to be able to defend the kingdom. And Samuel sat back and he goes, Whoo, that's him. That's him right there, y'all. This is going to be a short trip. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, 
Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, all over the world today, there was heart transplants at hospitals. Anybody in the medical field can tell you that in order to give a transplant, in order to be a donor, you have to be a match. Elias' heart didn't match. He wasn't a match for this, for this kingdom role. This is the part of the message I think we all need to look at because God elevates hearts, not gifts. So many times we get caught up in how talented we are and the gifts that we think we can bring and we set aside what really matters and that's the inner man. So parents, I want to take a moment just to speak to you on this. I understand your children are gifted. They're talented. They may be the best baseball, football, soccer players there are out there. But what good are their gifts if their hearts are not where they need to be? What I'm getting at, parents, I love sports. I do. I love football. I love baseball. I get in trouble for playing baseball on my phone way too much. But what I'm getting at is we should not elevate our children's gifts over what God has called them to be. Your children need to be in an environment of worship and praise every Sunday and every Wednesday. Not elevating their worldly abilities, but elevating our God. What good is it if your child gets a scholarship to be an athlete in college if they're lost and they don't know where to go? As Brother Roy put, they don't know where to look. What good is it if your child has all these worldly abilities and we haven't invested in the kingdom with them? Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema come by, pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And he said to Jesse, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. So, Jesse brought seven of his eight sons to the party. He brought the pure sons. He brought Eliab because that's double portion boy. That's the boy that's going to get everything whenever Jesse went. That was the one that he wanted to have his kingdom and the big kingdom. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And this, this part right here, young people, Jesse said to Samuel, there's one more out there. He said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's just keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until, until he comes. You see, here Samuel asked Jesse, is this all your kids? Because God's refused all of them. And Jesse's response was very simple. He looked at him and he goes, these are all the ones I picked. How many of you have ever felt like you've been picked over? You've been chosen over. Somebody else has gotten a position or a place that you thought you were supposed to be meant for. That's what Jesse was trying to do. He was trying to elevate his children to somewhere that they shouldn't have been. He wasn't kingly material. And he said, there remains yet the youngest, the smallest, the half-breed. Don't worry about him. He's just a shepherd boy. Well, I've got news for you, Jesse. Where man in this world tries to appoint you somewhere and tells you that you're going to be something, you're going to be depressed, you're going to be oppressed, you're going to be held down. Where the world tries to appoint, God will anoint every time. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. They told you that you weren't good enough. They told you that you weren't right for it. But I'm here to tell you something. God chose you. God anointed you. God called you. I need you to say it with me with some power. I am chosen because God chose me. And he sent and brought him in. Now, I can just see David. David's a little fella. 
He's out there in the field with the sheep. They stink. Anybody ever been around sheep? They nasty. And he's just out there sitting in the field with these sheep, writing songs, creating me a clean heart, oh God. Taste and see just how good you are, God. He's out there in the field tending the flock. When his daddy goes, David! And I can hear him because he was probably raised like I was where he had to use his manners. And he said, sir, somebody wants to see you here. I don't know why. You ain't good enough. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said to Samuel, arise and anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed down upon David from that day forward. You see, when nobody else wanted to choose David, God chose David. David didn't know when he answered the call from his dad that day that that was the last time he would ever return to the field not anointed a king. Young people, you need to understand that when you walked in those doors tonight, this could be the night that you get anointed to be something greater than you ever imagined. God has something on you. God has a plan for you. He chose you. And let me tell you something about David. He didn't let his calling affect his attitude and his service. Because when David was anointed king, he could have very easily turned and looked at his brothers and dad and said, I'm the king now. What y'all going to do about it? No, instead, they anointed him. And David went right back to doing shepherd's work. He went right out into that field and watched the sheep until the flock was ready for him. Young people, you were chosen for this time. You were given a calling to be here and to have the ability to change this world for God's purpose. The dream God put inside of you, the calling on your heart doesn't come because you're talented. It comes because your heart makes the calling. Your heart has to be in the right place. Now before we come to a close, I've got a brief video I want to show you. It pertains to this. And parents, this is for you and your children. So, Brother Carter, if you could. That is not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen. A lot of things are going to happen that will catch you off guard. And so, therefore, you've got to deal with and handle it as it comes. And not only that, but that faith and patience drives you into action. You've got to keep moving. And keep plugging away. In the Far East, they have something that's called the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. And when they go through a process of growing it, they have to water and fertilize the ground where it is every day. And it doesn't break through the ground until the fifth year, okay? But once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks, it grows 90 feet tall. Now the question is, does it grow 90 feet tall in five weeks or five years? The answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years. Because at any time, had that person stopped watering and nurturing and fertilizing that dream, that bamboo tree would have died in the ground. And I can see people coming out talking to a guy out there watering and fertilizing the ground that's not showing anything. 
Hey, what you doing? You've been out here a long time, man. And the conversation in the neighborhood is, you growing a Chinese bamboo tree, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, even Ray Charles and Stephen Wonder can see ain't nothing showing. You know that's how people are gonna do you? So how long have you been working on this? How long have you been working on your dreams? And you have nothing to show? This is all you got to show? People are gonna do that to you. And some people, ladies and gentlemen, they stop. Because they don't see instant results. It doesn't happen quickly. They stop. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to keep on watering your dream. And when it began to happen, they stopped laughing. They said, look. Whoa, look, look here. It's, look, look how, hey, man, you know, I know you can do it. Look here, you got a job here? <laughs> Parents, I challenge you to pour into your children daily. Pour God's word into them because your children are just like those seeds of that Chinese bamboo tree. For the longest time, they, not, they may not break through to what God has made them to be because we have to continually pour into them. But God chose them to grow for this time, to be something great and tall and mighty for him. Young people, you need to be in this house every chance you can. You need to be getting filled, getting watered every chance you can. At times, it's going to feel like you're not growing. But the more you add to your life, the more you pour into his word, the more you worship, the more you grow beneath the service until one day you're going to break through and you're going to become everything that God has planned you to be. So young people tonight, we're about to have you stand and come forward. And we're going to pray over you. Because you're going into a world... It's not pretty. And we're going to pray that you are reminded day in and day out that you are chosen by the King. Tonight, if you have ever been overlooked, undervalued, felt broken and depressed because people didn't see you for your true potential, I challenge you to come down tonight. Because there's a God that's here that says, I chose you. I breathed my breath into you and created you when there was nothing. So young people, if you could, come forward. And Brother Danny, I'm going to ask you to come up so we can pray over these young people. 